you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. My guest today is Paul Hafner. Paul is the CEO of Lighthouse Youth Services, and we'll get into what that is in a little bit. But I asked my guests to describe themselves in three words before we start, and the three words Paul chose were counselor, healer, and facilitator. Now, before you get the idea that he is a minister, a faith healer, or a social worker, let me tell you, he's an attorney or at least that's part of his varied background. We won't call it a checkered past, Paul. (laughs) We'll instead call it a varied background. Welcome to The Evolved Career. Thank you, Julie. It's great to be here. Before we get started, what is Lighthouse Youth Services? So we, and we went through a name change, so I'll give you Lighthouse Youth and Family Services. We just broadened our, our scope a couple years ago. Um, we are a youth-serving organizations, so we go from ages 0 to 24 and uh, v- focus in on children, youth, and the families that surround them. So we are working in foster care and adoption. We are in shelter services. We are in uh, young adult um, independent living programs. We are in clinical services in the schools and a lot of juvenile justice services, um, helping kids heal and helping families get them on the right track. Well, there certainly is no shortage of need for your services. I would imagine every day is an adventure. It certainly is, especially with uh, over 300 full-time employees and about 5,000 clients annually. Wow. That is a large, impactful organization. But I have to say, since we're not on video here, I can also tell our listeners that you say all this with a huge smile on your face. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I can even hear it in your voice. You love your job. I do. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. It's a good feeling. And I didn't even write this one down, but I'll just share with listeners, this is the first job I've ever had where I really don't remember when payday is. Like that is a measure of how, how much you love your job when you can go through a month or two and go like, oh my gosh, was was that last Friday, this Friday? I have no idea because I just love what I'm doing. And it goes from Monday through Friday in a heartbeat. Wow. That's great. You know, so many people, I, I describe it, they, they survive five days to make it to those two days. Right. The weekend. And um, that is, in my opinion anyway, a miserable way to live. And I would guess that you would agree with that. Yeah, I've spent some time doing that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about your career. So, so first of all, you know, you describe yourself in three words. Give me three words to describe your career overall. Well, so uh, leadership is a huge piece okay. of, of what I've uh, been working up to in my career. Um, it's now also sort of a fundraising is a big piece, but in the past that could have been sales, you know, working to, to generate revenue mm-hmm. for an organization. And then uh, consensus building, I use that personally, but it's also has always been a big part of my career, whether as a corporate lawyer or a CEO with a big board of directors, um, always trying to drive towards the agreement and uh, getting everybody on board. And so those are common threads Absolutely. regardless of what job you've been in. Yes. Yes. So did you go to law school right after undergrad? I spent one year finding myself. Okay. <laughs> and and then I you wish... lost yourself again. <laughs> <That's and> you... <laughs> I wish I could say I hiked the Appalachian Trail or <laughs> spent time in Europe, but I really just worked here and wanted to make sure that law school was the right path. But it, okay. it, it was. So when you think about, when you think back to the Paul who signed up to go to law school, who took the LSAT or showed up on day one, 
Could you have ever imagined this, Paul, today? Um, that's a great question. I suppose – so here's one of the most important things that I've learned in the last uh, – I've now been at Lighthouse for three years. And um, when people ask me about the career and the tra trajectory that I followed – I encourage people never to think of their career in a linear fashion. So just because you went to law school does not mean you will retire at age 65 with a gold pocket watch from a law firm, right? Especially not today, these days. Exactly. So I would say I, there were immediately uh, in law school, there were some people that I learned that had law degrees that were not practicing law. And, and you start seeing those mm -hmm. people and then you start seeing more of them or you read about them in the newspaper that somebody had a you know, CEO of so-and-so was a uh, practicing lawyer for 20 years. And, and so in law school, I probably couldn't imagine where I was now. But, but by my you know, probably late 20s, early 30s, I started seeing more and more lawyers that were doing incredible things in the community. You know, it's interesting because I, I'm just thinking about, you know, we work with, uh, we have attorneys who are clients of ours sometimes who are trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to how to springboard or pivot from being an attorney inside of a firm to something else. And on the other hand, you're right. I've met a lot of people who have a law degree as their background, mm -hmm. but they've taken it and use it as a springboard to something else. But then there are some, some lawyers we talk to who can't who can't seem to break out of it. Right. And I don't know if that's just a difference in personality or um, – I don't know what it is, but it's it's interesting. I'll give you my thought. Um, okay. And that's sort of like I think as human beings, we are often um, taught from an early age to think about differences before similarities in everything we do, right? And that leads to a lot of uh, bias and things that go on in our community every day. And when you think about it in terms of a career uh, setting – Right now, like the similarities between what I do today and what I did as a young corporate associate at Thompson Hine are, are actually – there's so many more similarities and differences day in, day out, which is incredible. People might hear that and go, what? But it's true. I'm constantly working with people, counseling, facilitating, consensus building. I'm out there at City Hall um, lobbying – well, we don't call it lobby – advocating for a position, um, doing government relations. I'm fundraising, which is just another form of sales. So if you can break it down and find the similarities, you you do a, you can make things a lot more um, – you can build your confidence a lot better, a lot sure. quicker so that you can take that next leap or at least go for it and build some skills to make you um, ready for that next yeah. job. So do you remember the moment in which you were in your last role in more of a traditional law slash attorney setting? Yes. Do you remember the moment – when you said to yourself or to someone else close to you, I got to do something different. Yes. What happened? What was that moment like for you? Well, and I'll, I'll give them um, full credit. So the law firm where I was right before Lighthouse was Calfee, um, Calfee Halter and Griswold, and they, they sponsored me for Leadership Cincinnati. Um, and as you might know, that, that program is very competitive. It sometimes takes a couple years to get in, and it took me a couple years to get in. But once I did... I sort of entered that program knowing it was going to be – well, it it's, uh, is all about exposure and uh, deep dives into justice and healthcare and poverty and uh, regional economic issues. I mean it's, it's a deep dive into so many things in our community. And I sort of knew loosely that it was going to be a life-changing experience. I didn't know how, why, where, when. 
but thankfully, um, you know, the, the place where I was working sponsored me to get in, and um, I got in and immediately began meeting people. And it was probably a couple months into it that I started um, just networking with people who were executive directors of nonprofits or high higher up uh, executives in nonprofits, and started talking in conversations like this one on one about their careers. And that's where it it was probably like November, December of that year, 2015, where I was like, this, this this, should be it. And I asked a friend of mine, I think your job sounds really cool. Could I do something like that? And their answer was, absolutely. Uh, let's get working on it. So it's interesting. You know, you, it's because I work, you know, we work with people who are in transition or want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. You're 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 carrying inside of you this desire to do something bigger, and more meaningful to you. And one of one step in your process was to ask somebody else for their insight mm-hmm. and their input, and to some extent, maybe a little bit their permission. Right. You know, we I think we we can be our, our biggest enemy is between you know is the space between our ears. Absolutely. Yeah, and we can feel it in our gut. But sometimes we just, we want or we need that validation that we're on the right track. And if we ask the wrong person who says, oh, you can't do that. Why would you want to do that? Mm. Paul, you got this great job back at the law firm. What's wrong with you? It's easy sometimes to take that as then our life gospel and and go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Especially, <laughs> especially if you grew up with, in my case, uh, wonderfully intentioned, you know, sort of depression era uh, parents oh. who, <laughs> and if you're listening, uh, we love you. But um, that is um, something where you can, I, you talk about, I'm sure in your um, career coaching, it's having your own personal board of directors, right? People that you can talk to, mentors um, that have your best interests at heart, or at least can be great sounding boards. And they're not going to give you the answers. It's self-discovery, but they will point you in the right direction and build your confidence and give you examples to look at. Um, And uh, yeah, just being able to kind of build that confidence level to know that you do not have to just follow this exact linear path. Um, And and it can be a real... uh, um, interesting sort of shape to a career um, if you kind of just let uh, in, in, in my case uh, there's there's a very god-driven element just kind of follow those signposts and uh, and be aware and be present and be um, be willing to to see what and accept what's coming down the path versus sort of forcing your way into that right career right. path that so many people have told you about yeah and it's you know it's it's funny sometimes you know I'll talk to people who say well I really want to do this but you know, the the risk, um, mm-hmm. the the insecurity, the lack of confidence, and they'll sometimes say something like, "Well, and you know, I mean, I'm just, you know, I I'm really I really like the security that comes with a job. Like, have you been paying attention? Right. Do you not know there is no security that comes with a traditional job? Right. It is completely out of your control. I mean, sure, you can perform well, and poor performance will lead to an expected outcome, but if you can be an absolute rock star and somebody else's decisions will impact your career. So don't tell me about the security you're seeking at a corporation. Right. And that's even, I think um, there was just an article I read about the law firms and how they used to be what part, it was Wall Street Journal this last weekend on uh, Saturday. 
So it, that can absolutely be the case, even with law firms. I read an article recently um, where the law firms and the expectation of partnership and what that meant, and now how there's so many different classes of partnership, and um, really you are just an, an, another employee. The vast majority of even partners in law firms now are just you know employees. And um, and there's very little stability, mega mergers going on, and uh, constantly proving yourself. So yeah, you're in control of your own career. And um, if you think there's just that natural 35, 40 year um, path that'll unfold, that's very rare in our economy today. Yeah, one of my favorite phrases is your organization wants you until the day they don't. Right. And you need to manage your career accordingly. So I'm going to call out one of the phrases you used with me when we first met, um, and you talked about life juice, mm. where you got your life juice. Tell me about that moment when you came up with that phrase and, and realized that you needed more juice. Yeah, that's great. So um, it, it's sort of what what makes you feel that burst of energy, right? What What gets your heart going in the morning? And for a lot of us, you know, it, it, it is the work. It should be your work. If you're going to spend something, you know, 8 to 5 p.m. Or, or in this job, I don't even think about the hours. But um, that's got to give you some battery charging element to it, right? Um, so where do you get your life juice? If you're, if you're struggling to get it from work and you're just getting half a tank from work, well, where are you getting it? Through your volunteer efforts after work, through coaching your little league baseball team, you know, where, what is it that's making you kind of get up in the morning, get excited, and at the end of the day, go to bed exhausted, tired, and satisfied? Um, for me, you know, what, what had sort of happened in the corporate world and then, which I would include the big law firms in the corporate world, um, I was getting enough to sort of get by. Uh, it was, you know, we're making good money, which is important to to a lot of us. It's it's sort of critical to be able to pay your bills, um, but that's not giving you life juice, right? That's that's uh, doing enough to get by. And so I was volunteering a lot, and I was serving on boards, and that was helping. I was adjunct teaching, which is another, um, you know, uh, piece of the counselor facilitator. Um, so I was doing all these other things to kind of create that um, energy level in my life. And it was working. It's okay. Um, but it was slowly tapering off. So I talked to my friend. Um, it was probably late 2015. That was, that was really the, the, the time when everything changed. And talking about having to uh, make my uh, 5 to 9, so the 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. stuff that I was doing, um, having to make that my nine to five and really flipping, inverting, you know, my my daily calendar. So um, making volunteer work, um, paid work. So were you volunteering at Lighthouse? Lighthouse was not part of my volunteer okay. work. I barely knew anything about Lighthouse, which is another incredible um, thing. But I was um, board chair at the Cincinnati Nature Center, and I had served on the board at Ronald McDonald House for years and um, some other children's work, children's charity work through the insurance industry that I was proud of. So a lot of things focused on kids and um, knew a little bit about Lighthouse through a common friend. Okay. So if, if there's someone listening and they say, gosh, I love that phrase, life juice, I have no clue how to find mine. What advice would you give them? Well, so what's really important, sometimes you don't need to make a massive career change. That can be a little scary. So sometimes um, you can tweak or adjust your career um, and get more life juice out of it. So like, uh, and, and I did this successfully at Great American, 
where I asked um, my boss, could I do more of the mentoring of the summer associates and the interns? Um, and the answer was absolutely yes. And that was, again, you think about sort of counseling and, and, and mentoring. That would be another word I could put in there. Um, that was something that I wasn't doing. And I just asked my current employer if I could do more of that. And they said yes. So very simple solution that, you know, in a negative spin, you could say bought me a few more years. But I think it really was perfect. And I learned a lot more about business and prepared me better for the role I'm in currently. Um, so it's, you know, it can be as dramatic as, you know, sometimes you got to take a sabbatical and get on the Appalachian Trail like some friends of mine have done. Um, and, and these people that hike uh, uh, the highest mountains in the world, you know, to, to recreate their life juice. And, and it sustains them then for the next six years or six months, you know, hopefully they get something out of it that uh, is lasting. So I, you know, um, I think it's about exploration and tapping into something, inside, knowing your passions, knowing what you do best, your skill set, and what really drives your energy level, and then finding a way to get more of that in your day. Yes, well said. I use the phrase, what do you want more of? You know, if you could wave a wand and change your day, what would you like more of? And then alternately, what would you like to take off your plate if you could? Mm -hmm. And I think we do, when we start thinking in those terms, instead of you know, throwing everything out and starting over, if you just, sometimes if you just make a few minor changes, it's enough. But sometimes it nudges you toward making bigger changes, gives you the confidence to make bigger changes. That's exact. That's a yeah. perfect way of putting it. That's and, exactly and what happened to me. When you are in a job that you don't like, not only are you miserable, but your confidence mm -hmm. just has taken so many hits because you start to think there's no value in me. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, nobody else would ever hire me. And then we start telling ourselves it's okay to cry in the car on the way to work. Doesn't everybody do that? Mm. Now, and, and things start to normalize that really should never be normalized. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So bad, bad. We don't yep. want that. And yes. a lot of it's like fear-based thinking, oh, right? Oh, isn't it? So isn't I, it? I, yeah. That's, I, I don't do it every day, but I try really hard to say to myself, no fear-based decision-making today, Paul. And, I love uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. If you start your day with uh, some some silent moments and try to reinforce that thought, uh, it's a much better day. Yeah, absolutely. So what's a low point in your career? Well, I mean, you sort of touched on it um, in your words just there. Um, it was probably uh, 2014 um, at, at the law firm and, and starting to really question – what I was doing and where I was going. Um, and, and I think a, a lack of confidence was really, you know, and people who, who know me or who are listening and are saying, like, I don't believe that. Like, I, 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 I by all outward um, uh, signs, I was doing great. I was very successful. But uh, November 2014 was a pretty scary time because I did not see a future where I was going to be doing what I was currently doing, and I didn't know how to pivot and make a change. Not to dredge up bad memories, but take yourself back to that moment if you can. What else in your life was impacted by that career-related state you were in? Oh, man, everything. So, you know, your career is, is they, they say that, that you're spending more time at work than you do at home, and you got to be happy. And um, But if 
if you are not happy at work and you, and you're and you're wondering what the future holds and you start to have anxiety and fear over the future then that rubs off on your uh, spouse, your family, your friends. People can see it. Um, my wife can tell within seconds sometimes when I'm going into like sort of a downward spiral, right? And uh, uh, and and these day, everybody has bad days, but you pull yourself out pretty quickly. And um, in in that period of time, I wasn't pulling myself out as quickly. And she was able to spot that. And um, you know, I mean, I I just really can't tell you like how many people and it's usually the people closest to you that see it you're fine at the cocktail parties or on the golf course or whatever it is you do outside of work but at home is where you bring you, you bring that fear and anxiety home that's where it comes out yeah to the people who who least deserve it but, right yeah okay so so another sentence for you to complete I'm at my best when when I am around people. And um, I mean, all I am people, I am, any people, all kinds of people. <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you. So I brought my little, you know, these pivot points in your career. I I, I did a Myers Briggs um, uh, this last year, and extroversion for me was off the charts, like literally almost unheard of, <laughs> sort of scoring for extroversion. So. Um, and and when you when you match that up with the classic lawyer, um, a lot of what lawyers do is good old fashioned desk work, um, and I desperately I did not like I need to be around people a lot. So my life juice really does get bumped up when I'm around in meetings, um, feeling a vibe with people, helping people through challenges, working through problems. Um, helping others. So I'm at my best when I'm helping other people through problems. That's why that, that healer word, um, I don't use that lightly. Some people might think that that's, you know, there, there's some arrogance in using a word like that to describe yourself. But what I mean by that is I work really hard to make sure other people are having a good day. Like I love it when people around me are loving their work, their job, their day. And if they're not, it sort of negatively impacts me, which is, you know, that's one of the things I'm working on. I was but. just going to say, I, I would imagine <laughs> that that can be a challenge because yeah. you can't control if somebody else is having a great day. That's right. It could be something completely unrelated, something you don't even know about. And if it, if you you have to control that and put boundaries around that right. or everybody else their their whatever they're dealing with just seeps into you. Oh yeah, it's a, yeah. It's that, that's that's You're that people pleasing. Yeah, yeah, it's the people pleasing stuff that I work on a lot. So, um, but and that's one of the things I do work on professionally, and that's important for I think the audience to to hear too that. I'm 50 years old. This is my, by far, my biggest job, and probably the fourth or fifth big job I've had. But um, you know, I still have really hard days and days where self-doubt creeps in, and I mean that's very normal. We're human beings, so there is no. Um, I don't have this overload of confidence that just gets me through all these difficult situations in you know 10 seconds flat, right? So. I um, I absolutely know that I have to work hard um, to, to get other people to kind of come along with me. That's a big part of leadership, and um, really, you know, it's it's one of those things to to resilience and confidence help you sort of bounce back quickly is what I, I've found. So when I'm at my best, I'm I'm 
dealing with life's challenges in a quick, efficient way. And the big challenges, I'm finding paths forward with the other people that, that I need to, to work with me. Um, and I don't give up. It's relentless optimism. Great. So the typical life expectancy in the United States is now at 78.7 years. I'll let you do the math and figure out how much time you might have left yeah. if you're the average American. Someday when you're gone and people are talking about you, how do you hope they would complete the sentence? The most, the most profound impact Paul Hafner made in his life was what? That he helped change the city of Cincinnati in becoming a more racially equitable and just equitable society, that he really had a direct impact on this city for the better. Great. So now picture you're standing in front of a group, a group of 22-year-olds who are just mm -hmm. graduating from college. And they say, you know, I want my work life to matter. What would you say to them? You've got to follow your – find your – identify your passions, identify your skill sets, and then identify a, a, a job that hopefully – and now you're 22, you might spend – I don't I, – I, I do worry that sometimes we – we instill way too much idealism. And I mean, there is a period of your life where you have to get some resume building activities on there. So it there it's a rare human being that is able at age 22 to just magically start uh, a career and, 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 and nail it. They're, they exist. But I guess, um, and this is my lawyer's risk averse part coming out, you know, I, I want to be guarded in how much I, I encourage them to be idealists. But if you find your passions and your interests and your skills, that should help lead you to a whole host of potential careers um, that might fit your and, and get a career, you know, get a coach, get somebody, get a personal board of directors. That would be a really important thing to start with. And for 22-year-olds, that might be a couple friends and mom and dad. But get people that you trust and you um, value their opinion and let them help guide you um, along those next few years. Great. Tell me a story. Think about your work at Lighthouse Youth and Family Services, which I believe you said is the new name. Mm -hmm. Tell me a story that when you really think about those moments that really make you say, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Tell me a story that illustrates that. Well, it's when I see one of our young people. So again, we are zero to 24, but our sweet spot has been teenage and young adults. Um, so when I am interacting with uh, one of those young adults and I find them making progress in their goals and then leaving Lighthouse and then the even cooler thing is when they actually come back to help share their story and they talk about their experience at Lighthouse. So um, we've had many guest speakers um, and we just had one at our 50th anniversary celebration. Um, Nate is a, now a, a Hamilton County Sheriff's deputy and he spent a time with us at Lighthouse in our uh, boys' residential treatment facility when he was a teenager. And he told a very powerful story about um, how that experience helped shape him. You know, he really didn't have much family other than us and, and what we were helping him work through as a young man. 
as a teenager, as a, as a boy, young boy, and then as a young man. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of uh, people like that, these um, young men and women who will come back and share their story with us. And we really want more of them to share their story with us so that we can hear the success that they're having in their lives. So, um, yeah, to, to see the impact that you had or that our, your organization had on a young person's life, hopefully in a few years, I'll start to see some of those people that I'm directly working with right now um, uh, coming back and talking about how that helped shape their lives. Great. That's a lot of life juice. Mm -hmm. That's your life juice cup runneth over. Indeed. Yes. Great. Are you ready to play two questions, one deep and one shallow? Sure. All right. I'm at a party and I see you dancing. What would that look like? Uh well, I think it would be super smooth, but you're probably going to be like, oh, my God, why is that old white guy dancing to Usher? Oh, gosh. So, so you might think it's smooth. Would, 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 okay, let's put this away. Would your wife think it was smooth? Do your friends think it's smooth? Or do they leave the room when you're dancing when Usher comes on? I'm, I'm actually, I've been told I'm a pretty good dancer. So I, I, yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a chance to see you sometime, and I will certainly give you that feedback. Absolutely. All right. Our deep question, what breaks your heart? Seeing, and it's, it's what made me change my career eventually, was looking out my um, then 28th floor window down on Fountain Square um, from the first financial center and seeing, you know, when I would go out on those streets, poverty, um, you know, panhandling, um, opiate uh, overdoses, knowing that our community could be better and not seeing a lot of people wanting to do anything about it. So it, it hurts me to think, and the children that are directly impacted by the, their parents' substance use disorders and their parents' poverty and generational poverty. So what breaks my heart is um, seeing our society continue to go on what I believe is a downward trajectory towards less equality, and I can't stand it, and I want to change it. Great. Well, thank you. What is your organization's website if people want to learn more? Sure. It's um, www.lys.org. So we're celebrating 50 years of service to our community this year and doing a lot of cool things to, to help uh, get the word out. I love that. I love the smile on your face and in your voice when you talk about your job. That makes my heart happy. So thank you for your time today. It was wonderful spending time with you. Thanks so much, Julie. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com. And that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.